This is the recap, a review of the day's news in the Tri-States area for Tuesday, February 6, 2024. With Tri-States Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. Two long-delayed road projects will finally get done this year in Macomb, but it will come at the expense of other street repairs. Tri-States Public Radio's Rich Egger reports. South Johnson Street will be redone from Grant Street to Harmony Lane, and West Adams will get a facelift from Johnson Street to Charles Street. Both projects were set aside in the past because bids came in much higher than anticipated. And the bids came in higher than estimated this time around, too, which means the city won't be able to afford any other street projects this year. And all the two projects will cost more than $8 million. But Public Works Director Alice Ortman says costs for materials and labor keep rising, so neither was going to get any cheaper. It was in our best interest to get these two large projects done. You know, I was kind of prioritizing one area over another, but if these projects don't get done now, they're not going to get done. In addition, some of the funding for both projects is coming from grants that will soon expire. Ortman says the South Johnson project will improve traffic flow, and the work on West Adams will improve a corridor that leads to Western Illinois University. Rich Egger reporting. Iowa State House Democrats have some questions about the future of a Lee County fertilizer plant and its employees after it was acquired by a Coke Industries subsidiary. Iowa Public Radio's Zachary Oren-Smith reports the questions come after Governors Brandstad and Reynolds used economic incentives to locate the plant in southeast Iowa. Federal regulators still haven't weighed in on a subsidiary's $3.5 billion acquisition of Iowa Fertilizer Company. But Democrat Representative Megan Srinivas of Des Moines and her caucus say Iowans helped finance the $500 million in incentives to bring the plant. They deserve answers about the future of the plant and its 260 employees. And another key factor in that is also trying to ensure that Iowans' jobs remain here, especially since they were incentivized to build here for that, for that purpose as well. House Democrats' letter is addressed to the Federal Trade Commission, the U.S. Department of Justice's Antitrust Division, and Iowa's own Attorney General Brenna Byrd. I'm Zachary Oren-Smith, IPR News. Attorneys for people in Illinois prisons are decrying the state's decision to award another multi-billion dollar contract to a controversial prison health care provider. Courts and experts have repeatedly found that the quality of care provided by Wexford Health Sources is so bad it violates the U.S. Constitution. The state's most recent prison health care contract with Wexford had expired, but now the Illinois Department of Corrections announced a new 10-year agreement worth $4 billion. One attorney said the decision means people will die unnecessarily because of poor medical care. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds says she's planning to send state troopers to the country's southern border for the third time. Iowa Public Radio's Katerina Sostarik reports. Reynolds went to Eagle Pass, Texas on Sunday to show support for Governor Greg Abbott's efforts to stop illegal border crossings. Reynolds says Texas has a constitutional right to self-defense, and she'll be using federal pandemic relief funding to once again send state troopers and National Guardsmen to support Abbott's border operations. One day after the U.S. Senate released a bipartisan border security proposal, Reynolds says the country doesn't need a new law. She says President Joe Biden currently has the authority to secure the border. I don't have a lot of confidence uh, in notice respect to the people that serve out 
in Washington, D.C. I'm grateful for them. But listen, this, in this environment, I don't have a lot of confidence in really um, too much getting done. Reynolds says the consequences of current border policies are being seen in Iowa as more fentanyl is found in the state. I'm Katerina Sestarek, IPR News. Domestic violence victims and their advocates are still pleading with Illinois lawmakers to pass Karina's bill. Karina Gonzalez of Chicago was shot and killed by her husband last year after she received an order of protection against him. His firearm owner ID had been revoked, but he kept his guns. Karina's bill would make police confiscate guns from an order of protection recipient within 48 hours. Joyce Coffey is the CEO of Family Rescue, an organization serving survivors. Leaving a domestic violence relationship is one of the most dangerous times for a survivor. It is imperative that we do all we can to reduce the danger and increase survival. The measure passed the Illinois House. It's now sitting in the state Senate waiting for a committee assignment. Unauthorized immigrants would not qualify for in-state tuition under a bill passed out of the Iowa House Judiciary Committee. The bill would require the state's public universities and community colleges to verify a student is a citizen or has legal immigration status in the United States before granting in-state tuition. Republican Taylor Collins of Minneapolis connected the bill to national immigration issues and said Iowa should do what it can to discourage unauthorized border crossings. The bill can now come up for debate on the House floor. In our feature for today, in a community near you, students might have traveled to school today on an electric bus. What was once a rare technology is now hitting roads across the Midwest. After a long ramp-up, the Environmental Protection Agency is beginning to send almost 5,000 electric buses to schools. Harvest Public Media's Kate Grumke reports on what early adopters think so far. Kids run through cold rain toward idling buses as school lets out in the Rawls County School District. About 800 students attend this rural district in Northeast Missouri. It has a fleet of 17 buses that pretty much all look the same. But two of these school buses are running on batteries. This school district is one of the first in Missouri to get these electric buses from a new federal program. On board, the kids are excited. Ninth grader Ian Joyner, who happens to be the driver's son, has noticed the difference. It's, it's not as loud as the other ones, but it's definitely fun to ride this bus. Ian takes his seat as the drivers get the all clear to head home. All right, drivers, have a safe trip. Enjoy your night. The EPA's Clean School Bus program has sent at least one electric bus to almost every U.S. state, and thousands more are on their way to school districts across the Midwest. So far, the federal government has invested $1.8 billion in the program throughout the country. It's funded by the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act. As more and more school districts try out this new technology, reviews are coming in. Well, I'm in love with the buses so far. That's Shawnee Public Schools Transportation Director John Wiles. His district is on the Citizen Potawatomi Nation's tribal lands in Shawnee, Oklahoma. They have two electric buses so far and should receive two more in the next month. A major benefit is the fact that these produce zero emissions, and so they can sit there in line uh, waiting for the kids to get out without creating any kind of breathing problems whatsoever. 
The lower greenhouse gas emissions from the electric buses also help slow climate change. But there's one big downside, the price tag. A new electric school bus can cost about three times more than a new diesel bus. Plus, districts have to install expensive charging infrastructure. At the same time, the electricity is less expensive per mile compared to diesel. Maintenance is also cheaper, in part because the buses don't need oil changes. But altogether, that still doesn't make up the cost difference. Jeff Dix is superintendent of two school districts in northern Iowa. One is Albert City Truesdale, which got an electric bus in December. You can't spend four times, three and a half times what you would for a regular bus. We actually have a solar field that provides electricity to our entire building. But that did make sense. That pays for itself in eight years. Sue Gander says that's why this federal program is so important. She's director of the Electric School Bus Initiative, an organization that wants to see the entire U.S. fleet go electric. The federal money, particularly in the last couple of years, has been, you know, has been really instrumental in in making a lot of this momentum possible. Back in Rawls County, Transportation Supervisor Eric Joyner drives one of the electric buses through a typical route on gravel roads between farms. He's really excited about these buses. I think it's fun. I like driving a school bus better than my own personal vehicle, so... But he gets what some call range anxiety on his long rural routes. One time his battery got down to 8%. So when you start getting that low, you start to kind of panic a little bit, especially when you got kids on board. One of the buses had a technical problem early on, taking it out of service. And that experience makes it hard for Joyner to recommend them. Still, he says, this program has been great for cash-strapped rural school districts, mostly because it meant free buses. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Kate Grumke. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including Tri-State's Public Radio. And the weather for our listening area for today, mostly sunny skies with a high in the low 50s. We expect east winds around 5 miles an hour, and they should turn toward the south later this morning. For tonight, mostly cloudy skies with a low in the mid-30s. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.